God's design for marriage is found in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Welcome to By Design from American Family Radio. This is Bert Harper, one of the hosts of By Design, and it's good to be with you today, and we're praying that God would speak to your heart. And uh, as He speaks to our hearts, we are to obey Him. We're not just to be people who receive, we're to receive and do. The book of James says we're not just to be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. And we pray that that would help you in your marriage and in your family that you would become all that God would have you to be because it is great to follow him. Again, I, I am so excited about the program by design because it demonstrates what God had in mind, and it was designed. And I use this all the time that uh, if there is a design, there is a designer, and the designer of marriage and family is none other than God himself. And so today, we're going to look at something that I think is very important, and, and that is God's plan for the family. And it begins with marriage. Uh, one of the, the beginning step of a family is a relationship between a man and a woman, and God has provided that. Not only has he provided that, he promotes that. He promotes that relationship between a man and a woman as they become, according to the book of Genesis, one flesh. Speaking of Genesis, it's a great book. Did you know every great biblical doctrine has its roots in Genesis? Uh, redemption is there in Genesis. Revelation of who God is is there in Genesis, but also marriage. And matter of fact, it was at the very beginning. And, and Genesis starts with the beginning of the universe and goes on to tell particular beginnings of other ministries or like calling out Abraham. But the one that we're concentrating on today is the beginning of family, and that family is so important. It's, it's far-reaching in every aspect of life. That family is the support group. Family is the one that we go to. Um, when everything is going awry, uh, it is awesome to have family. And matter of fact, family was so important that God talked about the family of God concerning the church. And he also talked about the marriage being this kind of relationship that Jesus has with the church and it being marriage between a man and a woman. Those are the illustrations. So every relationship must begin with a recognition of God's being for it. He is on the side of the family. He's on your side. He's on the fat side of your family. And, and today, we're going to look at the influence and information that we have in Genesis, especially chapter 1 and chapter 2, as God starts the family. Uh, again, what's amazing about this is God created man and he found out it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he made a woman from the rib. You know that story. But in Genesis chapter uh, 2, we find out that he did that and brought the woman to the man. We find that in, in Genesis 2, 22. He brought the woman to the man, kind of like a marriage. I've heard one person say at this first marriage, God was the minister. He was the best man. 
and he was father of the bride. And uh, you think about all of that, and God's relationship with Adam and Eve was such that that could be the case and stated truthfully. So the first step toward a family is marriage, a couple. God's design, man and woman, male and female. And it's a model that God has set up. And when man tries to break that model, they're going in the completely wrong direction. What that means is the enemy comes in to destroy that. He comes in to steal that. He comes in to kill that. So he is trying, the enemy, that would be Satan, does his best to kill what God has designed. And, and that is true with the family. That's why there's so much misinformation, bad information, purposely given today to make the family less affected, to make the family of something that, that will not have the support of even society. And, and the family is the basic root. It's the basic step in all society. When the family breaks down, you'll see family, and uh, you'll see that society breaks down, government breaks down. And so the whole system is based upon this man and woman relationship, which produces children. And that's one of the commandments, multiply and fill the earth. And the whole idea was children being born as the man and woman come together in marriage, male and female. So first of all, this model, it's a with a personal relationship. Now, this is so important. It's a relationship that grows. It's a relationship that, that you know, it says, and the two shall become one flesh. And so God wants this relationship to grow in such a manner that it's personal, that the man and woman know each other personally. The man and woman, it's, as we said before, it's not good that man should be alone. That identifies the first problem that we had with God's creation, aloneness. And God says, I'm going to do something about it. God always does something about the problem or sin. For the problem of aloneness, which was not sin, he created Eve to be that helpmate, helpmeet for Adam. But in our salvation, when it comes to sin, he provided redemption through Jesus Christ. And so this relationship we were talking about is between a man and a woman, but also in the book of Genesis, you see the relationship between God and man. That's unique, a relationship. And when man chose to break that through disobeying God, God came looking for man. And he would ask the question, Adam, where are you? Not that he didn't know where he was, but he was looking that Adam, so Adam could respond to him and come to him. And so man is lost without God. That's why this relationship with Christ makes the relationship between the man and the woman better. When they know Christ and Christ is Lord, it's so much better. And if you're listening today and you've never received Jesus as Savior, you've never received him as Lord, today would be a great day for you to say, Lord, I'm not worthy of being saved, but I'm worth something to you. 
I was worth so much that you would send Jesus to live a perfect life, to go to the cross and die and pay for my sin and be risen again the third day to have victory over death and sin. And now I'm asking him to come into my life because your word says, call upon me and I will answer you. And if you would today call upon God in faith, surrender your life to him, you can have that personal relationship with Jesus, which will make the relationship you have in your family much better. Now, there may be a reaction to it because I've heard of people that were two lost people being saved, being, excuse me, being married, and one of them got saved, and it took a while for that adjustment. But in the providence of God, God desires you to know him. He desires you to have that relationship as a husband and wife in a personal way. But it's not just a personal relationship in this marriage step into the family. It is a social relationship. What do I mean by that? Well, notice what he did. He gave that man and that woman somewhere to dwell or somewhere to live. In this case, it was the Garden of Eden, and it was a place where they were to grow, they were to work together, and they were to socialize with one another. Uh, They would get to know together as they would keep the garden. That is so important. That's the reason husbands and wives Uh, do a great job when they have something in common that they participate together, that they grow together, and they involve themselves together in, in the work that God's given to them. Serving the Lord in a church is a good example. Uh, keeping the lawn straight, working in the house on the projects that would be good. These things work together socially so the husband and wife in their personal relationship develops a social relationship in the environment that God has given them. But it's also something to do. He said, Adam, you're to be the gardener. You're to be the keeper. You're to be the guardian. You know, uh, it would be, we don't just sit around doing nothing. No, we're active. Uh, Work was not part of the curse uh, when man sinned. Uh, Adam and Eve worked before that, but work was not a drudgery. They didn't have as many difficulties. All the difficulties and the drudgery came in after man had sinned. But it also, in this social relationship, it gives something to share. You know, it says it was not good for Adam to be alone. Well, after Adam got through doing something, he did not have someone to say, good job. He didn't have someone to say, well, you know what you could do? You could add to that and do this, and it would look so much better. So in this something, uh, this relationship, this social relationship, there's someone to share the joys, the improvements that are made. That's what God wants in this marriage and this first step in the family. But not only is this the, the model that God gave, but God gives a message to the family. And that message is to to meet our needs. Our needs are best revealed in a family relationship more than any other. I found this true in my life, and as I've been married for many years, but because of the relationship that I've had with my my um, wife, my relationship I've had with my sons, and now my daughter-in-laws and my grandchildren that's come along, it's let me see some things in my life that I need to develop. God has used them to help reveal to me 
uh, inadequacies that I need to develop and to, to promote and try to do something about. So this message in the in the marriage is improvement, not not detriment, not tearing down, not destroying. That's the enemy. He is building us up with one another. So what we have, our needs are revealed because selfishness is condemned. Uh, you know, one of the greatest things about marriage and family is its strike against selfishness. Uh, the first words, one of the, some of the first words that our children learned was mine or me. Uh, it is natural to have this selfishness. It's part of what uh, you know theologians call the endemic nature. It is that 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 fallen nature that we have of saying mine and making it all about me. Uh, I think we all have to deal with that. I know I do. I have, and uh, I have to look at it as it is. It is sin. When I look at it, it's selfishness. But in marriage, selfishness is really pinpointed. Uh, we want it all about us. And I remember talking to a, a, a couple years and years ago. The woman, lady, the wife didn't say much. The husband seemed to be the main uh, talker in the group. And I'd, I'd preached a sermon on the family. And after church was over, he said, my wife and I have never had a fuss or a tiff, you know, and uh, he he was really bragging on that. And I said, how long you been married? And he'd been married 15, 20 years. And I said, well, bless your heart. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I, he said, what do you mean? I said, you've never had the privilege of making up. Now, I, I say that a little lightly and with some humor, but, you know, if there's never been a disagreement, it probably means somebody is getting their way all the time. It means there's a winner and a loser. But in marriage, it's really don't want to go that way all the time. You're trying to have a win-win. Now, it can't be that way all the time, but I can declare to you, when the same person wins all the time and the same person in marriage loses all the time, something is going to happen later on and I've always wondered why some of these people would get divorced 20 years into a marriage or something after the children were gone. And many times after I've investigated, it was the truth that one was a winner all the time and they got the other one got tired of losing and was getting out of the marriage. Now, that's not the right thing to do, but it's not the right thing to do to try to be the winner all the time. You want a win-win. So selfishness is condemned. And loneliness is conquered. Uh, you know, after talking to several couples and then seeing one of those spouses die and that person left by themselves, they've been married for 40 years, 50 years, and they say it is so difficult. And they said the nighttime when I'm alone, it is very difficult. So loneliness is there. That's why marriage, the one of the reasons marriage came about, family came about, was to do away with the loneliness that goes with the territory if we're selfish and going our way. But in this this message of marriage, our needs are satisfied. Now, uh, in one another, now the chief, the chief, according to what I've observed and what I've read by some very uh, astute, uh, astute uh, teachers and 
uh, I would say those people that give their commentary on marriage is the chief need for a wife is security. Now, that security is pretty wide. They need to know the security of love. They need to have the security of protection. They need to have the security of knowing that you're there with them as the husband. So that security is so important that they feel good about it. Uh, Secure in the issues of finance. Now, that usually grows because most of the time that is developed. You start out low, and, and hopefully as you get to know how to spend your money and how to handle the money, she gets secure, not necessarily in the amount you make, but in the handling of what you do make. And that security is real. And if your wife doesn't have this security and you're listening today, you need to develop that. You need to find out how can I do that. Uh, I want her to know that she's the only one for me. I want her to know that I'm there through thick or thin. I'm not going to bail out. That security really runs deep in the need of the wife. But just as the wife has a chief need, men have a chief need. And again, the same people that I've read, they say the main, uh, what a husband wants from his wife more than anything is respect. They want to be respected. Uh, They want to have their thoughts given and their opinions appreciated and, and the de- idea of respect, I think it's uh, proven on the movie Fireproof that came out many years ago. It starred Kirk Cameron, and it was a great movie. And they were having a marital relationship in this movie. And if you can watch it, I would suggest you watching it. You can get it and watch it. And at one point in time, the character that Kirk Cameron plays says, you know, she doesn't respect me. And that was straight out of the need for a man and how he needs that. He needs to, to feel respected. And when the wife has that security and the husband has that respect, it puts them on a level ground with one another to share with one another, to have respect for one another, to help be secure in one another. But their primary security and their primary respect is because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. When you have this relationship with Jesus Christ as he is Lord of your life, as there's been a time in your life when ask him to be Lord, as he came into your life and changed your life, it brings about salvation. It brings about what we call redemption, that you were going one way, you were sold out to sin, but Jesus paid the price on the cross so he could redeem you. That's what he said when he was on the cross. It is finished. Another interpretation, paid in full. I've done everything that is necessary for, in order for you to respond to me, God says, and to be saved. And when you do that, that brings some respect into your life. You know who you are. While you know you're a sinner, you also know that you're a saint that's been set apart for the work of God. Speaking of that work, after this salvation comes in, this redemption takes place, it gives you new purpose. Now, mankind has purpose. That's great. 
And that's this is the only religion, Christianity, that gives us purpose. It gives us our origin. It gives us our purpose, and it gives us our destiny. That's why our relationship with Christ is so good that we know where we came from, that he's our designer, that we know he has purpose in our life, and that is to know God and to give him glory with whatever we do and that our destiny is secure in Christ in heaven to be with him. So that purpose makes a whole new life in the context of marriage and family. Your purpose is to glorify God, and when you serve your family, when you're a servant to them and helping them, it brings on newness of life, and that purpose is realized. So in our family, God's given us the model in Genesis. He's given the message of redemption and and security and respect in Genesis, but he also has put us on mission. You know, uh, the mission, he said, after the husband and wife, they come together. They had some responsibilities to do. That was their mission. They were to subdue the earth. They were to, to, to procreate the earth, to multiply. So we have a mission. It's awesome to have a mission in life, to know that, that I've got something I have been made to do that God has equipped me to do. The Bible makes it plain that we've been given everything as a follower of Christ. We've been given everything we need for life and godliness in this present age. And you have what is needed in your life for your family. You have what you need in your life for your marriage, your children, your grandchildren. God's given it to you. You just got to develop it. You got to work it out and let it be seen and let it be involved. Now, what does this mean first? First of all, it means companionship. Now, this goes further than just the husband and wife. Companionship, yes, uh, their companionship lasted even after they had sinned. They were still companions. God sent them out of the Garden of Eden together. God still wanted that companionship to take place in a fallen world. It was real in the Garden of Eden, perfection, but it was also real after they left the Garden of Eden into the world that was difficult and had all the hardships. And in that companionship, it is developed, and, and we see that God is bringing forth and working your, in your life to show forth that you belong together as a husband and wife. And it's also not by performance. Now, what do I mean that? You will not have complete uh, I would say, companionship with your, your vocation. In other words, uh, you know, your, your job is important. See, Adam was a gardener. He was a keeper of the garden, but that didn't bring companionship. God had to make uh, a, a, a woman from his rib in order to have that companionship. It did not come from his vocation. So men and women, let me just give you a warning. And uh, God made us by design this way. If you're spending too much time in your vocation all the time, uh, you're, you're robbing the most important part of your life, and that's your marriage and your family. Uh, there's going to be times in your life when this happens. You're going to have a job, and it's going to require more of you at certain times than others. But if it requires more of you all the time, 
You might need to find another vocation. You need to find another way of making, uh, putting bread on the table, clothes on your back. Do something. Do your best to do that if you can. And I know I'm saying a lot here because a lot of people are doing everything they can, maybe one or two jobs to, to maintain things. But make the most of the time you have with your family. Uh, make the most of it because it's so important. You won't find that in a vocation. Uh, ladies, wives, mothers, uh, your family, those children, they're valuable. They, according to Psalm 127, they are rewards that God has given you. And the Bible says in Psalm 127, they're like the arrows in the hand of a warrior. In other words, you're sending them out, and that is your main job, regardless of what your vocation might be. This job that God's given us up, given to us, is raising these champions up for Christ. That's what He desires, and it's not also from power. Notice it says in uh, Genesis one twenty-eight, it says these words that you have to have dominion over the fish of the sea. Just because you have power, just because you have quote dominion, as it says here in Genesis one twenty-eight, it doesn't make you the person in the family that is just rough riding over everyone. Josh McDowell has said this, and I agree with him fully, rules without relationship will lead to rebellion. You need to work on those relationships. I found this true as well. Relationship without some boundaries, that's called rules, they will lead to uh, rebellion as well. So you want to have these relationships with boundaries. Those boundaries are for protection. I remember several years ago, uh, my wife and our three sons went to the Grand Canyon, and we got out close as we could to look over the, and look down into the Grand Canyon, so many feet down there. It was amazing to see that. But I was proud they had boundaries. They had a rail up that you were not to go by. And having three sons, it was good to have those boundaries, and those boundaries was for their protection. It wasn't to limit them. It was to protect them. So in our marriages and in our relationships, we need to have these boundaries. You need to set them. They need to be secure. They need to be knowledgeable. They need to be expressed. But they do not take the place of a relationship. Time spent with your children. Uh, we were listening to an old, old children's musical song the other day, my wife and I. God loves to talk to boys while they're fishing because that's the time boys listen best. And we heard that and we thought about after raising three sons, you know, to have that relationship doing something with my sons, whether it was hunting, whether it was fishing, playing golf, playing basketball, whatever it was, developing that relationship as we were doing something. You find that true with females, that you find something for them to do. I'm reminded of a great preacher in the past, and they was wondering what was wrong with their daughter and because she was kind of getting away from them. She was uh, not communicating with them. And the husband said to her, his, his wife, he said, tell you what, you need to take off tomorrow and spend all day with our daughter. 
And she did. She took off, and they went shopping. They went to eat, and they were doing some things. They purchased some things for that daughter that she had wanted for quite some time. And that daughter had a whole new look. It wasn't bought. It wasn't the price or the cost of that that they purchased. It was that relationship that was built in spending time together. So God wants to complete us. He wants to complete this relationship. That's God's purpose for the family, to have this relationship and have this fellowship, and it's all in Christ, and it is by design. Now, I want you to know God is the designer, and he's designed marriage and family for your marriage, for your family. So our prayer and our goal is that you would follow Christ and let him be the rule and the ruler in your life as you give him your all. Thank you for listening to By Design, and I pray that God would be your Lord and your Savior, and that in your marriage you'll have that respect and security that comes by knowing Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord.